to more than money, and I need your prayers this morning. Because John and Alyssa are already being mean to me. <laughs> and it's four seconds into the show. They were starting long before the show started. <laughs> and I have two more hours of putting up with this kind of <laughs> brouhaha. Ha, ha, ha. That's a very old reference to a uh, comedy skit, Firesign Theater from the early 70s. Those of you who are out there that can relate to that, I feel sad for you because that means we're all <clears throat> of an age. Welcome to More Than Money. Yes, they're being mean to me, but I will persevere because that's what I do. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. <laughs> yes. In a lot of ways, what doesn't kill you actually makes you much weaker, and then it kills you. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a lot of those old, and you notice how many of those is that the, those old-timey phrases are contradictory? Yeah. yeah. You'll, you'll think of a few. It's like, uh, he who hesitates is lost. Think before you act. Wait, wait a second. Am I, should I? All right, never mind. Welcome <laughs> to More Than Money. The voice you're hearing is being mean to me. Is your host, Alyssa Young. Good morning. Good morning. It's Saturday, so you know what that means. What does that mean? Oh, yeah, it's rainy. Gray it's skies, uh, rainy. Yeah. Uh, but not yeah. for long. No going to be a hot one today are you sure no (laughs) (laughs) No, you better not be sure (laughs) yesterday was uh, high right around 90 right sunny and hot right sunny not so much (laughs) oh my god my laundry got rained on prom pictures got rained out you were at the prom last night congratulations i wish i was at the prom (gasps) last night i would have been I, you know what? When the principal posted a picture of the empty dance floor before the kids arrived, mm-hmm. I was like, I need to be there to show these kids how it's done. You know, that's what I was thinking. I was not there. My son was. You're a, um, you're a dancing fool. Yeah. Uh, well, at least half uh, wait, of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But so we're hoping for a turnaround in the weather. Yeah. We, uh, we had a similar experience. Diane and I were. Very, very lucky. We were invited to uh, join a couple friends at a golf tournament yesterday to uh, raise funds for the East Stroudsburg University women's basketball and volleyball programs hosted by those ladies. Wonderful young ladies. Oh, my gosh. If uh, <clears throat> and, and I mean this in a very sincere way, because quite often it's hard to tell when I'm being sincere. And <clears throat> uh, ask my wife. Um I mean this in a very sincere way. There are lots of you, lots and lots of you, who, because of current events, are walking around going, this this world is nuts. This world is going to hell in a handbasket. This world has no future. And I am uh, sad for you because uh, you will, um, gosh, wallow in that negative uh, impression of the world unless you are nudged out of that by something that is far more um, positive and far more uplifting and far more hopeful. All you have to do, if you really want to, um, get out of the funk, hang out with um, 25 or 30 uh, college athletes <laughs> male or female, in this particular case, they were all young women, hang out with them for a few hours. Oh, my goodness. 
your hope for the future will soar. Your positive view of your future will soar. Your expectation of the future of our country will soar because they are wonderful and smart and talented and athletic and strong and and ambitious and they have great plans and great positive plans to impact their futures and the futures of the country are there morons out there yes are they mostly in washington dc Right now, they're mostly traveling. But yes, mostly in Washington, D.C. But in general, across this country, lots of these kids are coming home from college for summer break. As you bump into them, spend some time with them. If they happen to be related to you, even better. Kids, grandkids, spend some time and be uplifted. Have that kind of, of, of juice. Have that kind of ambition. John, we have a call coming in, please, if you'll take that. 610, we didn't even announce the phone yet. No. 610-720-7900. Gene at askmtm.com. Alyssa, A-L-Y-S-S-A at askmtm.com. Happy to take your emails. Happy to take your calls. The phone number kind of got me back on track here a little bit. uh, (laughs) It was wonderful. Yesterday was wonderful. Uh, You spend time with friends having an activity you really enjoy. Diane is back at golf. It's only her second time out after a break. And her, she did great yesterday. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, she did just great yesterday. So many good shots and uh, so many, uh, sorry, <laughs> so many um, positives. Uh, just fantastic. Uh, 610-720-7900. We go to the phones right away. We talk to Jeff. Jeff, good morning. Good morning. How may we serve you? I've got a few questions concerning uh, withdrawing money from my IRA. Uh, a, a few... Pre, on one of your previous shows, uh, I believe that you said that you would recommend to delay taking Social Security and using money out of your IRAs. Am I correct on that? Yeah, in general, that's a very good uh, guideline. In specific, it depends on your specific set of circumstances. But in general, yes, that's a good guideline. Okay. Uh, Would it be beneficial to start taking money out of the IRA for things such as large purchases as a new car if needed or home repairs and or gifting to relatives? Would it be beneficial to take the money out of the IRA before I start taking the Social Security for tax purposes? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. And and the answer, again, starts with it depends. And it will really depend. Uh, Let me ask, basically, what's your age? Uh, 65. You are incredibly young to be giving away big blocks of money. The exception to the incredibly young observation will be if you and or your spouse have very large substantial pensions, very large Social Security payments that you expect that will be much larger than what you expect to spend 
then starting to take blocks of money out of your IRA might be in your best interest. But in general, it's not something that we recommend because your life expectancy, are you married or single? Single. Your life expectancy over the next 20, 25 years, and and by the way, interestingly enough, the older you get, the longer your life expectancy. Pretty crazy. So is it is it important that we plan for your retirement of at least 20 years, probably 30 years, and it could be longer? There's exceptions, of course, but those that has to be in the plan. And, and, and whether you can kind of mess with the numbers yourself and be confident, hey, I got plenty, I'm never going to run out of money, I can afford to give away money, or not, if, if you're not comfortable doing those calculations yourself, uh, you can use uh, various online uh, programs to help guide you. Or in our More Than Money World Headquarters, we use a program called Journey Guide, where you can project out how your income uh, will uh, carry you through your retirement. If, if you end up with solid projections that show, I got plenty, I got more than enough, then sure, taking blocks out for home improvements, car payment or car uh, purchases or gifts makes sense. It may turn out that it doesn't. It may turn out that you're going to have to um, kind of be a little more close to the vest, hang on to a little more money over time and maybe delay some of those things um, or use alternatives, whether it's home equity, lines of credit, a reverse mortgage or, or some other mechanism to take care of those kinds of payments rather than taking big blocks of money out of your IRA and sadly also paying income tax on big blocks of money. All right. Uh, if I, if I would, you know, fall into the category of having enough to do such a thing would would it be better to take it from the traditional IRA rather than the, the Roth? Because I do have both. Yes, you would be better taking it from the traditional, allow your Roth to stay intact as long as possible. And if you're looking at it that, yes, you, in your mind, you're, you're confident, I have enough, I'm better taking money out now. One of the things that you should absolutely consider is taking money out to do a Roth conversion so that you're actually adding to your Roth IRA and allowing that to cook for as long as you can. That way, if, knock on wood, you're with us 20, 25 years from now, and now you need some extra money, it'll come out tax-free. Okay. Uh, the, would you, so you're recommending at my age to still do a Roth conversion? Oh, and if you have projected either personally you've done the the calculations or you've had an advisor that use a journey guide like program to project that you've got enough then yes converting to uh, from an IRA to a Roth in pieces likely not in big big blocks not in 50s and hundred thousand dollar blocks but maybe 15 20 thirty thousand dollars in a year depending on your tax bracket that might very well end up being in that Roth IRA for 10 or 15 or 20 years. That'll earn back the tax that you pay up front and hopefully a whole lot more. Okay. 
I think you've helped me with all my questions, and I thank you for your show. I listen to it every week, and I think it's great. Jeff, thank you so much. God bless you, sir. Thank you. Same to you. Thanks. Um, what a wonderful way to start the show. That's great. Yeah, lots of great questions. Lots of great questions all in one phone call. Um, Jeff is asking, uh, gosh, tons of the right questions. Yeah. And that's the heart of where you best benefit from financial advice. Getting a collection of the right questions. A lot of folks, sadly, get get distracted by the wrong questions. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, my sister's really upset because I didn't get this thing from mom. And they, that so, yeah. so next, so who cares? Hey, two of my kids are on the right track. One of my kids. Uh, uh, so you're what you're saying is you're normal. Okay, next. It's about you. It's about your retirement. Uh, One of the most common challenges that we have, and Alyssa has experienced this, I know, in her practice as well, is that we have such wonderful, sweet, caring, giving clients that often want to start giving away their money long before they should. They want to, quote, unquote, help their kids, help their grandkids. My advice and this has evolved over many, many years, 780 years, is the very best way you can help your kids, the very best gift that you can give to your kids, your grandkids, is to be financially independent yourself for the entirety of your life. Be financially independent, not needing to knock on their door and say, son, daughter, grandson, granddaughter, I've run out of money. I'm, I'm going to lose my house. I need help. If you can manage your financial picture in such a way that you never run out of money, that you are always financially independent. And yeah, I get it. Your 19 year old, 19 year old grandson who you watched as a baby was the cutest little baby. He's just the sweetest thing. Oh my gosh. He's just like nearly perfect. Shows up without a job and he needs a car that he needs grandma to give him 15 or 20,000 bucks for, um, give him a big squeeze, give him a big hug, give him a cup of coffee, maybe a cookie, give him a cookie. Don't give him money. Don't give him money. As much as you think you're helping, what's really going to help him is to you be a role model for being financially independent the entirety of your life. Yay? Yeah. Yeah. Jeff started his question really asking about social security claiming strategy. Sure. And this, I brought my big binder in here because I had a feeling today I might want to refer to something in it, but I just studied a whole chapter on really specific social security stuff for my retirement income certified professional class. And there's an entire section here. It's like 30 pages on retirement claiming strategies And it was very interesting, um, all the different ways that it taught me on how to prove to people that deferring Mm -hmm. Social Security is your best salute. Like it's your it's your best maximization strategy if you can do it, because a lot of people I've heard think that they've done the math and they are sure that starting it at 62 is the better way to go because 
they don't want to miss out on those eight years of collecting. And if they if they start it sooner and get all those eight years of payments, they're going to get more money from the government than if they wait till they're 70. And it's not true. If you have a normal average life expectancy, waiting till you're 70 gets you the most money. And there's all these different ways in here that you can prove it. Um, And it talks about how Social Security is the best inflation-protected annuity your money can buy. And one of the ways that you can prove it is to compare what it would cost you to buy an annuity, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and that the cost for that would be more than how much you give up if you don't start your Social Security at 62. Keeping in mind what we've said a thousand times. A hundred thousand times. (laughs) you will know that you've picked the exact correct, exactly correct social security strategy as you are ascending the golden staircase to heaven. <laughs> because looking back is the only way to know that you did it exactly correct. That's right. Uh, you got to play the probabilities. You've got to put uh, the probabilities of success in your favor. You've, it, I mean, if somebody, well, I don't know anybody that's like this, but somebody was really interested in poker, for example, <laughs> you've got to play the odds. You can't simply decide that you're going to roll the dice and go against the odds. Betting on a short life is not the uh, safe bet. Unless, sadly, you already have evidence. Well, right. That, that <laughs> so every situation is specific. Every situation is personal. It's not about the general... Jeff started perfectly. I've heard you say in the past this. In general, that is true. But specifically for Jeff, that's the only thing that's really valuable for him. Right. All the generalities in the world mean nothing to him, to you. It's got to be specific to you. Gene at AskMTM.com. Alyssa at AskMTM.com. 610-720-7900. We go back to the phones we talked to. Paul. Paul, good morning. Good morning, Jean and Alyssa. Um, I have a question. My daughter is selling her house. Um, it's going to be sold for about $80,000 more than what she paid for it. Sure. Okay. Um, back in like 2008, she bought it. And she's done quite a bit of work on it over the years, a roof, siding, all that kind of stuff. But I think that's been sort of deducted like on a yearly basis on income tax. I'm not quite sure how that works. No, it's so which go ahead. The question is, is she going to owe, what is she going to owe tax wise on that $80,000? Nothing. And is there any way to, to no, 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 we'll we'll just cut it short. She, she owes nothing, but she doesn't live in it. It's a rental. Oh, now you got to throw me curveballs. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Um, so yes, live in it. How long ago did she used to live in it? Uh, She hasn't lived in that house for about five years. Ah, darn. Lived in another house. Okay. Um, This is fairly straightforward. Um, Her $80,000 profit on paper so far will be adjusted. Some things will help. Some things will hurt. Um, The helping part is any cost that she has to sell the property will be deducted. So transfer taxes, legal fees, accounting fees. If she has a realtor and they they, uh, charge a commission, those are all deductible. In the original purchase back in 08, she had some expenses that have been either not deductible up to this point or they've been 
uh, kind of written off over time. There may still be some expenses that are still available for deduction from the profit on the original purchase. The improvements that she has made over these, this, what, 14 years uh, will mm-hmm. be, uh, have been depreciated. Some of them will still have some value. So, for example, she put a roof on for $10,000. That's depreciated over time. There still may be $8,000 of that deductible still left. Does she do do her own taxes, or is it a professional who does her taxes? She has someone do the taxes for her. Oh, excellent, excellent. They will have a complete record of everything that is deductible that is remaining to be deductible. Now, bottom line is that there will be some things that will be added back in. Uh, She has been deducting the depreciation on the property for uh, as long as it's been a rental. That will be added back in. So what appears to be $80,000 might be less than that. It might be more than that. And then once that's all determined, depending on her personal tax bracket, uh, capital gains is the rate that will be applied to this profit. Let's assume for a moment it is $80,000. The maximum capital gains right now is right around 20%. She would pay about $16,000. If her income is modest, if it's in the 15% bracket or lower, uh, she'll actually pay nothing. Okay. So it's not, her income isn't modest. I would assume she's going to have to pay the maximum. Well, then she's going to be looking at approximately using 80,000 as the example, approximately $16,000 in tax. Okay. Okay. That answers the question. Very good. Oh, thank you so much, Paul. Thank you. Yeah. God bless. Bye-bye. Capital gains taxes. Yeah. A lot of complexity. Yeah on real estate property, particularly real estate property, that's redundant. That's And re, re, repetition. And saying the same thing I know, in a different over way. and over <laughs> again. Sorry. Um, yes. Uh, one of the things that surprises people is their, their excitement, their thrill that they get to deduct depreciation on their rentals. And then they are surprised that it is uh, recaptured when they sell the house. So if let's let's use an example that 14 years ago the property was worth a hundred thousand, mm-hmm. and the depreciation uh, over the years has been fifty thousand dollars. She has been able to deduct fifty thousand. She has saved the income tax on fifty thousand. When she sells it, the fifty thousand gets added back in. Mm. So eighty becomes one hundred and thirty. Mm. Ouch. Yeah. Wow. There's um, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away, and. <laughs> Everybody. The IRS giveth, the IRS, yeah, exactly. take, and the everybody, IRS most, mostly taketh mostly away. Mostly <laughs> taketh away. Very well. Yeah, well said. I see where you did that. Actually, the, yeah, the IRS like never giveth. Um, actually, on occasion they do. Okay. No, on occasion. You, you, you just have to know. Poker. I am using that as an example for no apparent reason. Um, the, you, uh, if you play by the rules... If you understand the rules and play by the rules, uh, there are certain circumstances where you go, oh, I knew the rules and you didn't. So so you end up SOL. I end up, all right, that's right, you didn't, you didn't know the rules. Uh, I knew the rules. So that ad, ad ended up being my advantage. Right. Perfect example. Yesterday we're playing um, a scramble, a team format. Knowing the rules says 
the young man that we're, we were being hosted by tees off from the white tees. Those are further back. Knowing the rules says that Diane gets to tee off from the red tees because that, those are tees that are set up for women golfers. Much further up, giving her an advantage. If you don't know that rule, women are teeing off from 40, 50 yards back, and they're so frustrated, and it's not fair, and it doesn't, it's not fun. Well, sad for you. You're SOL because you didn't know the rules. Mm -hmm. So playing the IRS game is very much one of playing uh, by the rules. Uh, we only have a minute or two before we go to break, so we have Gary on hold. We're going to take that call after uh, our break. 610-720-7900. You might want to get in the queue, as we say, as as well as Gary, so that after the break you are next up after he, um, as we, um, what, proceed. Mm -hmm. We're doing very, very well. <laughs> Jeff, or Paul started... Uh, Jeff started us Jeff off. started us yeah. off. Jeff, and then Paul. Good job, guys. Jeff, Jeff <laughs> set the tone. Set the tone. 610-720-7900. Alyssa at askmtm.com. A-L-Y-S-S-A at askmtm.com. Gene at askmtm.com. And if you want to listen through iHeartMedia, morethanmoneyonline.com. We're back after this with your questions on More Than Money. Welcome back to More Than Money. You've got Gene Dickinson, your co-host. You've got Alyssa Young, your host. And we it's Saturday, so it's gray out there. But theoretically, mm. the last report I heard from Joe Lumberg is uh, warm this afternoon. Is very, that still on track? Very. According to my unreliable weather app on my phone, mm. um, the high temperature is 90 degrees. Sunny Lovely. and 90. Uh, our pool is open. The heater is on. It, as, of, as of a week ago, it was 52 degrees. As of this morning, it was 64 degrees without the heat. Hmm, maybe I should run to your house ah, and then jump in the pool. Not a bad idea at all. <laughs> and uh, there's lots of folks who have volunteered to shuttle you back. So if you <laughs> wish to do that, that's that would be great. 610 720 couple things just before we get to the phones. Um, I want to thank uh, Dan Parrish and Christina for hosting us at the ESU Women's Athletics Golf uh, event yesterday. It was a wonderful event right up to the point where the skies opened up and it pounded out of the skies. Fortunately, Diane and I had just exited the course. Uh, we were drizzled, dripped, just barely damp. And then the folks who came in after us were drenched. Hmm. But it was a great day. Uh, Diane played very, very well. She's making great progress after taking a short break from golf. 
20 years, after taking a short 20, 20 years uh, break from golf, doing a fantastic job. Congratulations to Alyssa's son, Andrew, on the Nazareth prom last evening. His date's Thanks. name again, Danny. Danny. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, we've seen some pictures. What a handsome group. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, they um, looked great. Andrew is uh, a rising senior and uh, is really committed to uh, to the Nazareth football team. Yes. And a lot of his friends are, uh, the, the pictures, they're just handsome young guys. And, and they're good uh, kids. They have a nice group of friends. I can, I'm, as a mom, so thankful that he is with a good group of of kids who they're not troublemakers. Uh, they're they're good to each other. They help each other. They have fun. They laugh all the time. Uh, I love that. Uh, it's what you pray for. Yeah, it's what you pray for. Speaking of what you pray for, uh, under the heading of uh, uh, Saul Alinsky's uh, rules for radicals, never let a crisis go a good crisis go unused. Uh, Kamala Harris announced this morning that uh, because diesel fuel is so very expensive. She is uh, heading up an effort to convert all 500,000 school buses across the country to electric. And if you had any doubt in your mind that this energy crisis, which was created by energy policies coming out of Washington, D.C., was manufactured, was intended from day one to advance the um, left agenda of converting everyone, getting everyone, um, whether you wish to or not, away from the gas pumps and only giving you the option of having electric. This is the first shot over the bow of your ship. Uh, it's it's actually not. It's been telegraphed for months and months and months. Um, but it's all in. Well, it's you know since gasoline and diesel is so expensive, now we have the reason. The the reality is. <clears throat> It's only been 18 months, Kamala. We all have memories. We know what it's like to have a fiscal policy, an energy policy that gives us gasoline that everyone can afford. And we also know what it's like to have an energy policy that gives us gasoline that very few people Mm. can afford. Unfortunately. 610-720-7900. We go back to the phones and we talk to Gary. Gary, good morning. Good morning, Gene and Alyssa. How are you doing this morning? Good. Good. Thank you. Why I'd like to uh, bounce a question off that last gentleman's uh, question with regards to his daughter and the eighty thousand dollar profit, and it was a uh, income property. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm uh, probably going to. I'm trying to plan for the upcoming sale of a property similar to that. I had went to the accountant. The accountant told me naturally. I want to try to avoid capital gains. I've owned this property for. Um, 40 years. So <laughs> okay. my capital gains are going to be severe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I went to the accountant. The, the accountant said, uh, first, I was looking for a like property exchange where I would just exchange my apartment house for uh, another rental property, maybe in Florida or something. Uh, that really didn't fall into my line of thinking. And so when I uh, asked the accountant, he said about a 1031 exchange, which is similar to a like property exchange, but in a REIT. So therefore, I really wouldn't be purchasing a live property. I would be investing my profit, my my returns from uh, the sale of the property, the mm-hmm. income property, Proceeds, in right. this REIT. Mm-hmm. And I guess I would just keep that. You know, I don't really need the money, and I don't know if this young lady needs the money as well. But 
maybe your answer can enlighten both of us, uh, whether this is actually a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really enthused that it may be because I don't want to pay the taxes if I don't have to. So uh, I wonder if you could clarify that for me. Yeah, it actually, it, 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 it is absolutely a thing. Um, an exchange um, IRS rules make it very um, <clears throat> uh, precise. You must follow the rules precisely. So uh, there are certain assets that can be exchanged into. There are other assets that seem to be very similar that cannot. A REIT, a real estate investment trust, falls into the category of it is absolutely possible to do an exchange from a currently individually held a single piece of property into a real estate investment trust that typically is a passive investment versus what you now have as an active investment and typically will have multiple properties. So you have a bit more diversification and you may have um, uh, professional management that can add value as well. The uh, exchange does not eliminate the tax. It pushes the tax off. It defers the tax, which is exactly what your intent uh, would be. So is it possible? The answer is absolutely yes. Could I ask your age by any chance? Yes, I'm 69. All right. So you're young. Uh, I know because I'm right there, too. And I'm young. So we are young. But what's what's particularly useful about pushing off this tax is that ultimately I'm, I'm going to pick a number and say 30 years from now, if you still own the REIT, when you pass your heirs will get a stepped up basis. So it is entirely possible that if you defer the taxes long enough, no one will pay the tax. And that puts a big smile on my face because the government doesn't need any more taxes. It just needs some smarter people. So, <laughs> Uh, yes, it is absolutely possible. You've got to make sure that you're working with um, either a financial advisor. Rarely do real estate brokers get involved with REITs. Um, in most cases, they're not even um, uh, licensed. They're not eligible to get involved with REITs. So you may end up needing to coordinate between your tax accountant, your real estate broker, a financial advisor to get done what you want to have done. But I think you're on the right track. Excellent, Gene. You anticipated my second question with regards to the step-up cost basis, mm. and I'm really happy to hear that. Very good. That's fantastic. So once again, uh, you know, you answered my question, and today you really put a smile on my face. So thank you very much. Have a good day. Thank you so much. God bless. <laughs> God bless you. Bye. Fantastic. Uh, wonderful. You made someone smile for a change. No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Some people put smiles on people's faces when they walk into the room. And others, when they leave the room, <laughs> sadly, I'm a leave the room kind of guy. 610-720-7900. We go back to the phones. We talk to Tom. Tom, good morning. Good morning, Gene. Um, I have a question that sort of came up earlier in your show and uh, and also it's something you were talking about with the energy policies and stuff. I am a couple of months away from my full retirement date to get social security without penalty. And I don't really need the money right now, but with the direction things are going in this country, I don't feel so safe in my long term. Like when Trump was in charge, I, I was confident that I was set for life. 
and now I'm not. And uh, some people suggested to me that if I wait on starting Social Security, it might not be there later. Hmm. Yeah, we've heard that. I've been hearing that for 780 years. Uh, Literally from the very first day that I was a financial advisor talking about Social Security with uh, clients, uh, there was the fear, the rumor, the concern that um, Social Security would simply be gutted and gone. Uh, I'm now 780 years in. It hasn't happened yet. Doesn't mean it couldn't. Uh, It has been modified over the years. A lot of folks have suggested that, well, no one, no politician would possibly touch Social Security because that would be, they they call it the third rail, that would be electrocuting themselves. They would never be reelected. Well, that's a bunch of bunkum. They have touched Social Security quite often, as a matter of fact. One of the major ways they have touched it is to make sure that you pay tax on Social Security. So the vast majority of Americans who receive Social Security and any other income in retirement are taxed up to on, on up to 85% of their Social Security. So they have already taken back some of your benefits, and yet all those boneheads down in D.C. have been reelected. All those ones that put that into play have been reelected. They have pushed off your normal retirement age. Yeah, yours is, what, 66, 67, plus or minus Originally 65, it's going to be pushed off even further. So they have reduced benefits in that way. Will they reduce benefits in the future? I think it's inevitable. I think the malfeasance that's going on in the federal government as we speak will cause fiscal ramifications that are incredibly painful. Um, Interest rates on the federal deficit, no, my federal debt, over $30 trillion dollars. Under the previous administration, we were paying around 1% interest on federal debt. Uh, People who are very excited these days to be able to get I-bonds, federal debt, I-bonds that are paying 8 and 9% interest rates. That's the federal government now obligated to pay on the short term 10-year treasuries 3%, three times as much as they were paying previously. And now with I-bonds, it won't be a large contributor because I-bonds are not a major piece of the puzzle. But I-bonds paying 8 and 9%, the cost to run the government just on servicing the debt is going to go up dramatically. So, Do I think you're going to have Social Security? I do. Do I think you're going to be uh, faced with potential reduced benefits? I do. Uh, But is it likely to be there in some major block, some major form, plus or minus 75, 80% of what you're expecting? I think the answer is yes. So... I should wait or I should activate it when I can. Yeah, my good friend Mark Basak, who is a Social Security expert extraordinaire, says that you have a really easy guideline as to when to take your Social Security. You take it when you need it or when you are forced to. 
So 70, you're forced to. That's when it maxes out. It doesn't get any higher. You must take it at 70. Anything prior to that, taking it if you don't need it, means that you will end up with over a long period of time, assuming you're in good health and assuming you have a normal retirement age, you'll actually be shortchanging yourself in the future. If your heart of hearts is saying, uh, I hear you, Gene, I get it, I, it makes sense, but I still am not concerned, split the difference. Um, go normal retirement age, but every month that you can wait afterwards, it goes up about two thirds of 1%. So you're gaining ground. Even if you wait six months, you're going to have a higher rate than you will if you just go at your normal retirement age. Okay, great. Thank you very much. My pleasure. You take care. God bless. Thanks. Alyssa. Jean, um, interesting stuff about the Social Security Trust Fund, which is actually called the Federal Old Age and Survivors Insurance Trust Fund. Um, so right now it's projected to be depleted in 2034. But back in 1983, there was a funding crisis expected and they made changes to Social Security then to extend the life of that trust fund. Interestingly, I have heard in my studies that Part of the reason that the fund is being depleted at a faster rate, despite the fact that we keep paying into it, is the the rules that allow people to collect on ex-spouses benefits. And there's a lot of um, situations where one worker paid into Social Security and then like three or four people are collecting benefits on that worker's record. Johnny Carson. So that's part of the problem. Um, but this, I read right from this, uh, book I have the extent to which Americans are dependent on social security benefit benefits makes it hard to imagine that Congress could avoid addressing the issue. It's, um, you know, remarkable how many people, um, are getting the majority of their income from social security and don't have other assets, um, to live on without it. So it's an important issue that, I think the government's going to be forced to figure out some type of solution um, to address. I wouldn't be comfortable advising that someone take their Social Security early um, at a re you know reduced benefit just because they're afraid it's going to go away. Um, but if you really have a lot of anxiety, then you have to do what you got to do. Sleeping at night is a really nice thing. Yes. 610-720-7900. Alyssa at askmtm.com. Morethanmoneyonline.com. A gentleman writes, my wife and I are 72 year years old. We are taking our RMDs on our traditional IRAs. However, with the current climate in the market, is there anything we can do to stop the bleeding in our IRAs? Hmm. Yeah. Um, that's one of the reasons we've been using a lot of funds with downside protection. Um, trying to stay in the market so that you can participate in the gains when they come, when things recover, when they come, you know, you don't want to be out of the market and not be able to recover what your, you know, un your unrealized losses right now. Um, but you can stop some bleeding if you um, shift some funds into uh, investments that have downside protection so that you have a buffer. Yeah. And the ultimate downside protection is 100% guaranteed. That's the ultimate downside protection. Um, stopping the bleeding 
is such a personal assessment of, of a situation. In, in my mind, it may be, I don't want to lose another dollar. In Alyssa's mind, it may be, I'm going to slow down this decline so that when it rebounds, I get as much as I possibly can. Those are two very different ideas of stopping the bleeding. So stopping the bleeding is, a, a again, a, a, a very specific set of circumstances for you personally. 72 years old, you're taking RMDs. Is it possible to take all of your investments and put them in guaranteed? You can't go down another dollar. Sure. Those kind of investments tend to be very low uh, rates of return. They tend to carry ones, twos. Some carry 0.2. Mm-hmm. Ones, twos, threes, mm-hmm. three and a quarter. As a result, if you're down substantially, let's say that your account is down 10%. And you decide, I, I, I can't, I, I can't sleep. I want it a hundred percent guaranteed. And you decide, uh, I'm going to put it in a guaranteed 3.2% rate of return. Your money's not going to go down anymore. It's just that simple. And if indeed the economy continues to have a struggle and over the next couple of years, the markets are down, you will look like a genius until the market rebounds dramatically and the market goes up 15 or 20% in a matter of a couple days and you are stuck with 3% per year. So if you're down 10% and you decide I'm just going to sit on the sidelines and get three and a quarter, three years from now, you will be back to even. If you stay in the market, uh, perhaps, uh, a little softer, a little less money in the market. Uh, but if you can get an average rate of return of 6%, you're back to even in 18 months. That may have no value to you whatsoever. Your, your, your peace of mind may have, uh, may receive no comfort whatsoever by the fact that it's either 18 months or three years. That's why it's so specific. That's why, uh, what do we have? Second opinion meetings? That's right. How do they work again? You sit down with an advisor and talk about your specific situation, your individual circumstances, and ask questions that are relevant to you, not to most people or other people, but specifically to you so you can have a customized, personal answer and guidance. Yeah. And, and, and once you've gotten that guidance, it's, it's yours you choose, hey, I like that. I, I see where they're coming from. I want to follow that that guidance. This is something that I can really embrace. Or not. Mm-hmm. Or not. It's always your money. You get to choose. But, but the key, specific, customized, it's personalized to you specifically. It, it, it ain't a, hey, here's an Here's a report with about 35 pages of boilerplate. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets the same thing. Uh, everybody gets the same thing. That sounds like a lot of the radio shows that are. All right, mm-hmm. never mind. Six one zero seven two zero seventy nine hundred. Gene at askmtm.com. Alyssa at askmtm.com. Gene and Alyssa. I'm glad that they gave the host uh, <laughs> proper. I updated my will last year. My lawyer suggested I start giving away money to my children. I'm 70 years old, widowed, and relatively healthy. 
my parents and grandparents lived into their 90s. Mm. So I think I will be around a while. At what point is enough money enough? Great question. <laughs> uh, can you give some guidance as to when you would say I should start giving money away? Is there a number over, uh, over which you would say I have plenty of money and can spare some for my kids and charities? Thank you. Love your show. Thank you so much. Oh. We love our audience. I'm going to give you two guidelines and then I'm, I'm going to have Alyssa comment as well. Um, my first guideline is you can give away as many of the eggs as you wish. And if you're going eggs, what the, I have three daughters. So all my analogies are fairy tales. <laughs> so in this case, it's the goose that lays the golden eggs. Let's say you've got a million bucks and according to your attorney, that's too much, please. If the million dollars, I'm using a simple number. It's not a guaranteed number. A simple number gives you $40,000 a year of eggs. The million bucks is the golden goose. 40,000 is the eggs. And you're saying, I, I'm not spending the eggs. Give them away. Give them away to charity. Give them away to kids. Give them away. Because if you don't hurt the goose next year, hmm, more eggs and more eggs for as long as you live. So rather than looking at the principle, I would look at the eggs. And if you're only giving away eggs, you should be fine. You're, you can change your mind year by year. Some years you give away all the eggs, some years away. Hey, you know what I'd like to do this year? Take the kids on a big trip. I want to take 20 grand and we're all going, oh, we're going to have a ball. That's a fantastic thing to do. Give them experiences. Change it. Customize it. Do it for however it best fits you. That's my first piece of advice. My second piece is to sit with Alyssa. <laughs> sit with journey guide, sit with a program that can allow you to project out using your assumptions. What, what, what rate of return do you think you're going to get? What rate of inflation do you think we have to battle? Put everything in. It'll take a short period of time. And within an hour, you can start to compare. If I give away money now, does it hurt me in the future? Or do I wait for somebody who's likely with good genetics living into their 90s right. and then instead of the kids maybe it's the grandkids <laughs> your kids are doing fine ah top of the hour which means Alyssa is going to have to comment after the top of the hour 610-720-7900 gene at askmtm.com Alyssa at askmtm.com your questions are going to have to step it up because the first hour questions we're fabulous. Set the bar high. Oh my gosh! So if you're uh, if you're gearing up for the second half, second half of more than money, you've got your work cut out for you. We'll take your calls at 610-720-7900 after this on more than money.
Welcome back to More Than Money, Hour 2. You've got 51 and a half minutes left to have your questions asked and answered. We're happy to be with you when I say we. I'm your co-host, Gene Dickinson, and your host is... <laughs> Alyssa Young. <laughs> so, if you missed uh, the first hour, quick recap on the housekeeping items. I want to thank uh, Dan Parrish and uh, our good friend and Christina, who invited Diane and I to play in the ESU Women's Athletics um, uh, golf tournament yesterday. Lots of the uh, uh, ESU basketball players and volleyball players there. Wonderful young women. Oh, my gosh. The coaches are full of energy, and the girls are just fantastic, talented and smart, athletic, strong. Ah, our future is in good hands. Nazareth Prom was last week or last evening, and uh, our own Andrew Young and his date Danny were gorgeous. Handsome and gorgeous, so hopefully they had a good time. Yeah, they had a great time. Fantastic. Um, we have already uh, uh, decided that Kamala Harris is using uh, this um, uh, in what uh, constructed crisis with gas prices uh, to push her agenda to get all the buses in the Americas to uh, electric. Oh my gosh. So we've covered a great deal of ground already. Anything I missed so far? Uh, no, we have. Some, I have some more housekeeping items, but we can get to them later because we have a caller. Well, we do have a caller, but make sure you talk about your investing you now. Okay, please. sure. So next week is my next invest in you quarterly event for women, and we had advertised that the RSVP deadline was yesterday. But I want to encourage anyone who still would like to come and hasn't already RSVP'd to sign up. It's not too late. I have, um, we've spaced it out for Saturday. So it's over a three hour period and we can accommodate more guests. So next Saturday from 11 to two, um, you can come to the center for animal health and welfare in Williams township to play with cats and dogs. Um, (laughs) we're going to help the animals out there by making cat toys, making dog treats, reading to dogs, bring a book, uh, playing with the cats, and um, bring your kids, bring your nieces, nephews, your grandchildren. Um, it's just a nice time to get together and support a good cause. So we're there for the pets who are awaiting adoption by their forever families. So join us sometime between 11 and 2 next Saturday there at the center. So you can get all the details and sign up on our website, morethanmoneyonline.com. There's a banner across the top with a link. You can't miss it. Um, that page has everything you need to know and also my contact information if you have any questions. Um, so ignore the RSVP deadline. I'll, I'll remove that from the page on Monday. Um, sign up. If you're still able to come, sign up. If you're still not sure if you can come, sign up uh, or reach out to me. Um, I just wanted to make sure we had enough supplies. We've been collecting toilet paper rolls. <laughs> yeah, bring them with. Um, we have a lo- ton of them uh, just from the office and all of my coworkers who've been bringing them in from yeah. home. <laughs> what does that say, that we have a ton of toilet paper rolls? It means rolls we're well the... hydrated. Ah, okay, yes. very good. Now, I don't know if this is going to help or hurt, but when you say come join us, Gene's going to be there. If there's puppies and kittens, I'm coming. He's he's really had to resist crashing the party mm. at our previous Invest in You events because we've had good food, we've had you know chocolate great and wine, people, great people, wonderful and people. And Gene's like, I want to come, 
come. I want to come. And I'm like, it's for women. Go away. Well, this time mm-hmm. he's saying, forget I'm it. Coming. There's cats and dogs. Puppies and kittens. Can't keep me away. Yeah. yeah so if I'm you want to meet Gene, come to the and there's animal rumors shelter. that Diane might be there. Megan's definitely going to be there. There's Juliana's going to be. Oh, Juliana's going to be the oh, whole my time. Gosh, this is we're talking about. This is going to be great. It's yeah. going to be great. So Speaking of great, 610-720-7900. We go to the phones. We talk to Stu. Stu, good morning. Morning. Uh, good, good to get uh, advice from people that are in the business. Um, my question is, is I've spent 40 years running out, uh, buying back property and going to work like everybody else. So between running and having a different jobs through the years, uh, put a lot of miles on me. And so I ended up with a work injury, which I was forced into taking social security, which doesn't give me the same income uh, that I used to have when I worked and then came back and went to work again mm-hmm. uh, with Wales. So um School taxes are always uh, something that is leached off of me. And is there any way to get the school system, get the milk made out of my barn? Uh, because uh, with school taxes, it's it's just uh, it, a person has to say, why even bother doing it? Um, yeah, it's a fair question, Stu. And, and it's one that's been debated for many, many, many years uh, the the opportunity to evolve away from property taxes as the uh, funding mechanism for schools and for basically everything else on a local basis uh, into either an income tax or a sales tax. Uh, that requires, of course, the state legislature to actually take action. The state legislature has been Republican controlled for quite some time, but the um, veto power in the governor's uh, office has prevented them from making any substantial changes. There are lots of folks who have said that this is antiquated. It was started literally hundreds of years ago when the property owners were the only ones that had any money. So the only way to get tax was from a property owner in some way, shape or form. Now, of course, that is uh, radically different. And there's tons and tons of folks who make crazy good money who have chosen to rent or chosen some other um, approach to their life. And, and they are not uh, what uh, put upon as, as you and I are. So, yeah, uh, sadly, uh, as much as our show is called More Than Money, and I wish we had more influence than apparently that we do, mm-hmm. I agree with you 100%, but we have no real value to bring to the table here in terms of the discussion other than we agree with you. So we appreciate the call, Stu. Thank you very much, and God bless you, and hopefully your health takes a turn for the better. Six one zero seven two zero seventy nine hundred. We go back to the phones. We talk to Gary. Gary, good morning. Uh, good morning again, Gene. Uh, throughout your discussions, uh, my wife and I heard you talk about I bonds, and more importantly, we heard you talk about the nine point nine ten percent, and that really perked our ears up. So we started googling, and uh, I just wondered um, what we didn't find is there is there a uh, uh, a ceiling rate per year, like it looks like you can uh, own it for six months and then it adjusts and then there's a fixed rate and then there's an inflation rate. Could you clarify where we could buy them, what they cost and uh, any any other information? Sure. Thank you. 
Um, I bonds are purchased directly from the Treasury. Uh, a lot of folks have contacted our office, all of our advisors, and saying, "Hey, Alyssa, take some money from our IRAs," and, and we go, "Cut it out. We can't do that. It's not how I bonds are sold. It's not what the mechanism is." So you go to the Treasury. Um, I'm not sure if it's it's dot gov, but I'm not sure if it's Treasury dot gov or wait a second. Uh, you'll double check that little article because that's got I bond information over here about. Okay. So that may tell us what the uh, uh, you go online. TreasuryDirect.gov. TreasuryDirect.gov. Gov. Easy Thank for you. you to say. Yeah, no, apparently not. <laughs> uh, so you go to TreasuryDirect.gov. You can purchase up to ten thousand dollars per taxpayer per calendar year. So uh, you, if you are married, you and your bride could buy $20,000 worth of I-bonds. They have a base. If I recall correctly, the base is 1%. And then they add on top of that base the, uh, the current government-calculated uh, inflation rate, which most recently was over 8%, which is then gives us an I-bond uh, guarantee interest rate of over 9%. But the guarantee lasts for six months. You are required to keep the I-bond a minimum of 12 months. So you may very well end up at the end of six months finding that the interest rate is reset significantly lower. It is also possible that inflation stays sadly very, very high and it stays level. But even if it were to go from 9% to zero, over the first year, your average return would be 4.5% guaranteed, way better than you can get virtually anywhere else in the known world, uh, perhaps universe, but I haven't really checked Mars and, and uh, Jupiter. Bottom line is that it is a, um, a very, it's something that each individual can do. Uh, it's done electronically. Uh, you do it online. And you might very well take some dollars that you have kind of tucked away in a bank account earning 0.2 and, and end up with, gosh, if, if that holds for the entire year, what, 50 times that rate of return uh, on a very safe investment. Is that, are the proceeds taxable then? Oh, sure. Oh, rats. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you do you cash it in through the treasury too? Sure. The, yes, uh, everything's done through uh, Treasury Direct. Okay, wonderful. We'll keep listening because it's pretty good. It's getting pretty exciting this morning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. It has it All has right. its moments. Thank How you. How are we so going to top that? <laughs> <laughs> Gary, okay, thank bye you bye. so much. God bless. Six one zero seven two zero seventy nine hundred. Hearing us talk about golf tournaments, our friend Gary Bender reminds us. Uh, that uh, the Folds of Honor will be having their golf tournament on June 13th. It's Monday, June 13th uh, at Woodstone Country Club. Woodstone is a beautiful, beautiful venue. Tough course. Beautiful, beautiful spot. Tough course. It is a very, 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 it's it's an upscale place to play golf. Tough course. <laughs> well, for me, other guys, they just eat it up. But it is a great course. It's a beautiful, beautiful setting. Uh, Danielsville, just absolutely gorgeous. Uh, and they have room for more foursomes. Whether it's uh, an encouragement or not, you will be the judge. Um, but we already have our foursome set. And uh, joining me that day will be uh, the lovely and talented Diane Dickison. 
if that is her real name, Mr. Greg Grillo, and Mr. Mark Belsack. What day is this? It's Monday, June 13th. I'm going to get so much work done that day because <clears throat> Gene, Mark, and Greg, who all they surround me, will all be gone. Golfing. We surround you for good reason because <laughs> you need constant supervision. <laughs> it is out of control on a near moment-by-moment basis. That's not, not true. Is it, <laughs> you're a jogger. You're a very good jogger. <laughs> Sorry. That was just fun. That was just fun. That's so sweet. Oh, my goodness. We have we are so blessed. It is just crazy. I-bonds have been a big topic. As a matter of fact, I'm sure there's at least one question in our stack about I-bonds. It's been a big topic of late because where else do you find guaranteed safe returns at 9%? Uh, nowhere. No, nowhere. <laughs> exactly right. Nowhere. Um, one of the things that we've talked about often in – response to current environment is it folks who are weary weary of seeing the markets down 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 um hey we're just going to get safe we're just going to put in something 3.2 percent where does inflation come into that decision yeah you're when inflation exceeds your return your money is depreciating in value so you need to keep that in mind. Like one of the things that you, when you look at your investment portfolio and you see, you know, the equities down in value and you want to get out because you don't like to see that drop, you know, that's been, it's been sustained now for a few, a few months. Um, you have to remember that that's the area of your portfolio where you'll recover and you'll have the strongest gains that that have the potential to exceed inflation. And that's really the only place um, you're going to to get that, to get that kind of return. That, you know, and so if your money is not making enough to keep up with inflation, you're essentially losing purchasing power. Yeah. A lot of folks have a hard time getting their head around this purchasing power idea. I try to help as best I can by giving real dollar examples. So if you had Forgive me. It has to be simple numbers. It's Saturday morning. Mm -hmm. If you have $100,000 to start and you say, I'm just tired of seeing it drip uh, lower, I'm going to put it in a guaranteed 3.2%. That's a perfectly reasonable thing to do. Uh, So at the end of the year, your $100,000 is is in your account. It's $103,200. That's a good thing. If inflation is 8%, that means that that $103,000 is only able to buy 92% of the 103. Yeah, I'm not doing the math. It's going to be approximately $95,000. So you started with 100. You went up in your account, but you went down in your ability to buy stuff. Mm-hmm. So from an inflationary standpoint, um, being, um, gosh, locked in to a very low rate of return may give you peace of mind artificially. It may give you the, f- the, the appearance of safety, but in reality, if inflation continues at this rate, and unless the energy policy of, of Washington changes, it will continue at this rate because if you think filling up at the tank is painful for you, think about the over-the-road trucker who has a, 300 gallon tank. Mm. Can you imagine? No. 
I don't know. Are, are there really 300-gallon tanks? I don't know. Say, a <laughs> 100-gallon tank, make it easy. It's only five or 600 bucks to fill up. Ugh. Yes. <laughs> One thing that's important to keep in mind, though, I've heard from a few people who have asked, what should I do with the money in my savings account? Hmm. And despite inflation being what it is, it's still important that you have that emergency fund just liquid and safe. And that amount, if you have a reasonable amount of money there, six to maybe 12 months of expenses, or if you know of a purchase that you need, a special purchase Mm. that you need in the near future, it's a car, it's a house, whatever it might be. It's more important that you keep that money accessible and uh, liquid to you, you know, right there. Just keep it there. It's not earning anything, but it's better in that situation if that's what the money's for than it would be to tie it up in something that would be a long-term contract or just to earn a few percentage points of interest. You have to weigh, you know, the pros and cons of that. And we always advise, yeah, that money just needs to stay in the bank. I know it's not earning anything, but leave it where it is. Um, And yeah, just you have to remember that different purposes for money have different, you know, different goals. Um, there's different places that are appropriate for them. Well said. Thanks. Different buckets owe money. Now, are there ever any situations where this decline in the market is helpful? <gasps> you um, read my mind because I wanted to ask you a question. And I don't know where you were going to go with this, but it's a perfect segue into what I wanted to su- suggest as an opportunity. Well, well I'm... I'm literally all ears. Okay. So what do you think about this, Gene? Go ahead. I have a client (laughs) who inherited a nice chunk of money from her sister who sadly died last year. Hmm. And she has the money in an inherited IRA. Okay, because okay, it came out good. of her her sister's retirement accounts. And so it's in an inherited IRA. Got it. And so she's down about 15% Fifteen percent, mm-hmm. because she just invested it right before oh, sure. the market started plummeting. Mm-hmm. Okay, so as we know, inherited IRA rules as they are, she has ten years to take the money out of this inherited IRA. Correct. She's in a low tax bracket. Ooh, ooh. So, I suggested to mm-hmm. her, and I want to hear your thoughts because I told her I'm going to. Confer with my team nah, before team. we make any changes. I'm going to say I'm going to talk to the team at our talk, advisor team meeting. Talk to the old guy. And talk to the old guy, and we're going to make sure this makes sense. So let's mm. get Gene's input right now. Mm. I said, you've got this block of money that needs to come out within 10 years. Mm-hmm. It might make good sense to take a nice chunk of it now mm-hmm. and move it as an in-kind distribution. Don't sell the investments, but rather journal them from this inherited IRA, Mm -hmm. withhold tax, Mm -hmm. and put them into her own individual account now, keeping the holdings intact because then she'll pay less tax while the value is down and then keep keep the money in the securities as much as possible so that as the market recovers, they appreciate in value rather than selling them, taking the loss, and um, taking, you know, cash out of the account. What do you think about that? All right, let me explain to you. This is why we work as a team, because you think you have a good idea. Let me explain to you why it's not a good idea. 
that those are crickets that you're hearing. <laughs> it, it's it's an excellent idea. Um, this ten year window um, for inherited IRAs, typically, typically under typical circumstance, you want to push the numbers off as far into the future as you can so that you get the longest tax deferral. Today is not a typical day. No. It's not a typical scenario. You find yourself, she finds herself in the rather, some would say unfortunate, some would say it is what it is, circumstance where she can actually do exactly what you're saying and pay way less tax because, yes, 15% decline. She's going to pay 15% less tax. Assuming she did all of it, let's assume she, just for sake of demonstration, she does. She's going to pay 15% less in taxes. So if she was going to pay 20 grand, she's only going to pay 17, saving $3,000 in taxes. Now, the in-kind piece, I'd have to check the, the, the mechanics, whether you can take it from the IRA and do in-kind directly out. If you're going to do that, you can't do tax withholding. Because you, you, you don't have any cash. Mm-hmm. But irrelevant. Let's say we have uh, T. Rowe Price here. We want T. Rowe Price here. You sell it there. You buy it 10 seconds later. So it works beautifully. And now the rebound, it's coming. Right. I don't know when. Right. But spring follows winter. It's pretty simple stuff. These are called cycles. When the rebound comes, it's, it's out of the taxable IRA account. Right. And the rebounds in her account. You want one more piece of this that might be even more fun? We talked about it. What Moving it? it from her. You can't You can't um, journal, So, but that may be irrelevant, um, from an inherited IRA to directly to a Roth IRA. But we talked about moving it to an individual um, taxable account and then moving it into a Roth where then it can grow tax-free for the rest of Without life. a doubt. So for folks who have been considering, you know, I think I might want to do a Roth conversion. I think I might want to look at that. I think I might want to ex- uh, what um, calculate the numbers, see if it's in my best interest. Uh, now's a great time to be doing that. It is because you can take a larger chunk of the tax, the taxable um, IRA money, if you will, and to convert it at a Lower cost. Lower cost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, great opportunity. You still get the value of the rebound. You will still get the rebound, except that if you're going from an IRA taxable to an IRA Roth not taxable, the rebound is going to be tax-free. Moving it from the inherited IRA, you cannot put it into a Roth. That's not an option. Right. But she can put that into her own individual account, and then the assets grow in her individual account uh, with uh, without the burden of RMDs and all that other kind of crud that comes with inherited IRAs. But the Roth conversion allows you to convert uh, at a lower cost, lower tax, and get the rebound inside a tax-free environment. Pretty exciting. I'll add one more little wrinkle to the IRA. I'm sorry, the yeah, the IRA to Roth conversion. Um, we had one of our favorite clients in this week, a husband and wife. Uh, their daughter happens to be a client of ours. She happens to be really, really smart. And she knows that mom and dad have an IRA that they largely do not spend, that largely is expected will eventually be an inheritance. And she says, hmm, I'd ra- much rather inherit a Roth IRA. And mom and dad went, mm, yeah, so, yeah, good for you. You'd much rather. <laughs> uh, but if we convert, we got to pay tax. She said, I'll pay the tax. 
So here's a really smart daughter who happens to have some capital and says to mom and dad, why don't you convert as much as you can and keep in, say, the 15% bracket? I'll pay the tax. That's really, really smart on everybody's basis. So the, uh, the tax is paid up front. Hopefully mom and dad live another 30 years. And when this young lady is in her retirement years, she gets a big block of money. Income tax-free. Smart girl. Yeah. Well, see, look, we, get, we, we start layering smart ideas. It's one thing to be an investment advisor, the Ken Fishers of the world and lots of other folks who just, they talk about, yeah, we'll make you more money. We'll make you more money. Integrating tax ideas with investment ideas are great. Integrating tax ideas with multi-generational legacy planning adds even more value. Uh, that's what a financial advisor does. That's what a financial advisor does. It's not a salesman. It's not a financial services professional. It's not an investment professional. It's a financial advisor. Ouch. I just bounced my nose right off the microphone. <laughs> I got so excited. I'm so He's proud. new at this. I know, apparently. He forgot his headphones earlier. Wait a second. I hear music. <laughs> Where is that coming from? It must be bleed over from the FM side. <laughs> 610-720-7900. Last break of the show. When we return, 22 and a half minutes left for your questions to get asked and answered. We've got some nice thank yous I want to send out before I forget. I'll put that right there. And, of course, Alyssa at AskMTM.com, Gene at AskMTM.com, MoreThanMoneyOnline.com. Back after this on More Than Money. Welcome back to More Than Money. I am your host, Alyssa Young. I have a few housekeeping items for you as we start the last half hour of the show. Um, one is that if you were looking for the recording of last week's show, it wasn't available on our website on Monday like it normally is. We posted it finally on Friday. We had some technical difficulties and uh, delayed the availability of the podcast and the, the show archive. So it's there now. Um, so if you missed last week or you wanted to re-listen to our interview with Kagan about annuities, it is now available on our website and in the podcast wherever you get your podcast. So I'm sorry for the delay. We do have that resolved, a uh, little workaround um, to get the the recording is up in a timely manner moving forward until the actual problem is resolved. So it shouldn't happen to this week's show. Um, but if you were looking for last week, it's there now. Other Excellent news. Yeah, Good That's great. yeah, that was... Uh, that happened. It happened. Uh, tech. We were working on it. Yeah. This, um, but it's, it's good. Uh, I wanted to also mention, a lot of people have told me lately, and not just me, the other advisors, that our emails are going into their spam folders. And it's not just our emails. I've been noticing it, too, in my personal email, um, emails from people that I had previously received mm. messages from without a problem. 
randomly fallen into spam, so mm. then you don't get the message right away because you don't see it in your inbox. Right. So just wanted to throw that out there. If you are a more than money client or you've sent us a question and you're awaiting an answer um, and you might have received it by email or mm. an invitation to schedule a meeting by email or something, uh, be aware to check your spam folders. And not just for messages from us, but um, in general, because I've it's been a a recent like uptick. I don't know why. I, I I don't know the reason, but I've noticed a trend. Clients have told me they've noticed a trend. Other advisors are saying the same thing. Check your spam folder um, if you're expecting to hear from us, and you might find her message there. It's nothing uh, we can do about it. So I have a theory. What's that? Uh, I think that most of the malware uh, systems, um, cybersecurity systems, are um, more effective, more vigilant these days maybe over vigilant in mm. some cases for sure but far better to be um or at least in their theory far better to be safe than sorry yeah. so yes i've seen exactly the same thing and you're absolutely right in my spam folder which i check every morning uh, i often will find emails from folks that have been e emailing me for years and yeah. there's no red flags whatsoever and on occasion i'm still getting emails through that you go even I know that that's a really bad thing. <laughs> Even I know when they say, hey, I'm warning you, if you don't go get me Bitcoin right now, yeah, delete, <laughs> come on. And a lot of stuff that you go, that looks a little too good. I forgot, I apologize. I wanted to send a special thank you to a young lady, uh, Barbara Walters. Uh, she's from Bethlehem. She is a loyal listener. And when I put out our... Um, my request for golf tournament invitations, which, by the way, request again, because we've already had a couple. We've got a couple more already. Actually, we have a dozen more already scheduled, but we would like more. So if you have a nonprofit that you think is worthy, send it to us. Doesn't mean that we'll be able to attend, and you'll find out here in a moment. Uh, one of the reasons why we might not be able to attend, uh, but there are others and conflicts and all that stuff, but at least we'd like... Um, the opportunity, if we can, to support quality organizations. So send me those golf tournament invitations to gene at askmtm.com and assuming they don't end up in my spam folder. <clears throat> if they do, I'll see them. <laughs> uh, Barbara sent me an invite uh, to a tournament that's coming up on June 6th. Uh, it's the 16th annual golf charity classic for Victory House of the uh, Lehigh Valley. Um, Barbara is very, very committed to the organization, says it, it is fantastic. Um, 35 years of service to the community. Uh, they have done a great job. And I had an opening on June 6th, so I am very pleased to announce I am not playing. Ask me why. I already know why, but why, Gene? Why what, aren't you what playing? What do you mean you, you already know why? why do, what, you told what? me. I did? Oh, darn. It's full. <laughs> And it was full like a month ago. And they are killing it. Good for them. What a wonderful reason to not be able to play in the <laughs> tournament. Um, uh, they, they're, they're serving homeless men. They're 35 plus years. Uh, 16 years running their tournament. And apparently Pete, they are doing it at such a level with, with such um, appreciation on the part of both the sponsors and the golfers 
that they want to come back year after year after year. So before they even send out the invitations, they are almost full. And then hopefully next year, hopefully, we'll be able to come and join them. I hope so. Got to get in there early. Apparently. Um, You asked earlier about trucks and their gas tanks. Yes. And when you asked that question, I thought right away of my cousin, Chris, who is a truck driver. Mm. My aunt just texted me some interesting information, so I thought I would share. She said some of those trucks have two gas tanks that are 150 gallons each. My cousin, Ooh. the truck that he so drives. So it was 300 gallons, exactly what I said it was. Yes. <gasps> um, he Once has a again. truck that only has one, but he puts in 75 gallons a day, which costs $475 in gas every day. A day. So the company's really, that's really taking oh. a big hit on their bottom line. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. So, so 300 just, gallons, it's doubled. So mm, call it. Well, no, diesel's over six bucks a gallon. Say it's three dollars a gallon bump on three. That's a nine hundred dollars extra to fill up their tank. Nine hundred dollars out of their pocket because it's not like you can turn around. People, yeah, companies don't pay tax. They just raise their prices. Yeah, there are a lot of folks you can't raise the prices on. There's a lot of situations you cannot, or you can only pass on part of that. Uh, There was a recent guesstimate that the average American family is currently paying over $5,000 more a year on energy costs and food because of inflationary policies of our current administration. A gentleman emailed us and said, um, relative to the things ending up in spam, (laughs) you're broadcasting on a conservative radio station it's being redirected on purpose. <laughs> uh, I'm not. Uh, wow. Big Brother really is watching. Uh, I have a email question if you're ready. Sure. Um, concerning the daughter who is willing to pay the tax on her parents' Roth conversion, warn the parents that if they convert too much, it may put them over the $91,000 Magi limit and their Medicare premium and their Part D premium may rise substantially. It may be better to convert a little bit each year to keep them under a $91,000 limit. Very good observation. That's right. Indeed. Um, Not one that readily came to my mind because I I know the income, I know the tax bracket, and I knew that they were not going to bump up against it, but some people might very well. well and it's actually 182 for married filed jointly. Oh, very good. Very is good. the income limit before. But for a single individual, and there's lots of them out yeah. there, sure. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the number is. It, it matters <laughs> that you need to be aware. Exactly. Yes. There's The government has more than one way to get into your wallet. Yes. <laughs> That's the most polite way I can... <clears throat> Actually, put that six one zero seven two zero seventy nine hundred. Gene at askmtm.com. Alyssa at askmtm.com. Um, happy to take your calls and emails. We've got um, 11 and a half minutes left to answer your questions and happy uh, to be doing so. Uh, observation uh, testimonials mm-hmm. uh, people telling everybody in the world how great we really are. Yeah. Crickets. We don't have testimonials. Not yet. Yeah. Why not? Why not yet? They haven't been allowed. 
um, I believe an SEC rule. SEC. That financial advisors cannot publish, promote, solicit testimonials. Um, but that rule actually is changing, has changed. Theoretically. But yeah. our compliance um, <clears throat> department, if you will, our broker-dealer yeah. who, hand, who handles our compliance, is still in the process of making sure that we uh, follow the new rules and have a system and a process in place to do it correctly. So uh, we're awaiting those guidelines before we start. To- the, the, all of that is 100% accurate, 100%. I, I will add to that, um, we are what what is known in our industry as a hybrid financial advisory firm. We are both a registered investment advisor. We are regulated by the SEC. That governs about 85, almost 90% of the work that we do with our clients. Um, that That is our typical uh, financial advisory arrangement. Uh, we do have a broker-dealer, which allows us to assist clients with annuities and and uh, and other types of products that are that are not. Uh, RIA based, and in both cases, actually in the RIA case, or more than money, uh, RIA, IR, <laughs> the compliance officer. So mm. the, the IR, the guy saying, <laughs> yeah, we're not going to do it until we really can know that we can comply. So now, having said that, there are these are national firms, SEC regulated. We're a national firm. Um, we have not yet determined that there is a, a an effective way for us to meet the SEC standards. Mm. What would that tell you about an RIA that has been using testimonials for years? That they're, they don't care about the rules? They don't care. <laughs> I, I don't know what don't, other conclusion you can uh, draw. Wow. And for those of you listening, you have over many, many, many years been hearing uh, local RIAs using testimonials, inviting you to come hear testimonials uh, uh, in many, many different fashions. And the reality is that uh, if they simply don't um, follow the rules, the question becomes, what other rules are they not following? It's yeah, a, that's concerning. It, 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 is a, <laughs> it, is, it is concerning. What a polite way of saying that, it's one of the best. 610-720-7900, gene at askmtm.com, morethanmoneyonline.com. Hello, Jean. Hello. Thanks. Uh, I will soon start collecting Social Security and RMDs from my IRAs. My questions are, may I have federal income taxes withheld up front, so to speak, from each monthly payout? And number two, do I base my withholding on my IRS tax rate, 12%, or my tax bracket, 25%? Thank you much for all you do to help us be well and stay safe. Well, you too. You be well, you stay safe, and thank you for your questions. So let's start with uh, this um, young lady, I'm guessing, because she's very polite. Men are not that polite. (laughs) uh, Is going to collect Social Security and RMDs. May she have federal income taxes withheld from those payments. You betcha. You betcha? Mm-hmm. Nice. That sounds like almost like Minnesota like. Oh, you betcha. You betcha. Um uh or maybe Fargo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cuz I've only seen bits and pieces, but Okay, so you betcha. How does that work? How does she make that happen? Uh it's pretty easy. Um mm. for your social security, you just elect, you know, ask them to withhold 
the, your tax. Same with the RMDs. Like if you're working with an advisor to manage, you know, your IRA, for example, we have an IRA distribution form that says, um, you know, I want to take my RMDs in this fashion, whether it be once a year, monthly, quarterly, whatever. And on that form, it asks, when you take your RMD, should we withhold tax? And if so, how much? Mm-hmm. And we put it on the piece of paper. Um, and that can be changed if your circumstances change and you need to withhold more or less. Um, as your advisor, we can help you with that paperwork. If you're doing it yourself, it's very similar setup. You're just making that selection on your own. Pretty straightforward stuff. Yeah, it is. Um, lots of folks are surprised to find that in the state of Pennsylvania, RMDs are not taxable to the state of Pennsylvania. That's right. That's something no that if you're social security. No, so for those of you out there learning this for the very first time, smile on your face. That'll be number two. Look at the sunshine out there. That's a smile. We're on my bringing face. the sunshine. Oh, look at us. <laughs> oh my God. I'm, 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 oh. So uh, the first part is pretty easy. It's typically just a, a set of instructions. Hey, dear IRS, or I'm sorry, dear Social Security, this is what I want you to do. Hey, IRA, this is what I want you to do. Now, the second question is a very interesting one. Does she withhold it, her tax rate or her tax bracket? I'm not sure ah, how to answer that ah, question. Very good. I, I, don't, I don't know. <clears throat> I'm going to leave that one to you. So um, it is, the, and, and you're right, it's confusing because... Tax brackets are what are known as marginal. Right. They are. They are the next dollar that you take through. Uh, you're going to pay tax at twenty five percent. That doesn't mean you're paying twenty five percent of your income in tax. Right. So maybe the first block is at zero. The next block's at twelve. The next block's at fifteen, etc. Your effective tax rate is what you pay in tax divided by your income. So let's say your income is 50 grand and let's say that your tax ends up being 5,500 bucks. Your, your, your tax rate is 11%. Your tax bracket might be 15, but because of deductions, et cetera, et cetera, it, it comes down to an effective rate of 11. If you do your own taxes, pretty easy. That's pretty simple math. One number divided by the other number. If you have a professional do the taxes, they're going to have one more step in that process. They're going to actually look at that. This is where you are, but this is where you're going to be. Mm -hmm. So instead of, hey, here's what I paid in 2021. Here's my income in 2021. They're going to look at what do I expect my income to be and what do I expect my tax to be? And they're going to give you a much more precise number. Uh, the default on almost all of these is 20%. That's the default. If you say to an IRA custodian, send me some money, how much tax? Eh, I don't know, whatever. It's going to be 20%. IRAs, 401ks, that's a typical default. In If, if you are overpaying, you're going to get it back. You're going to get it back on a tax refund. For some folks, they really like big tax refunds. It's like a savings plan for them. Yeah. For most folks... They want to get as close as they can and make sure they're getting as much money on a monthly basis as they possibly can. Yeah. Okay. So that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Thank you. I hope I got that right because Diane 
if that is her real name, is undoubtedly listening. Or actually, no, she was. I think she was going to take a run before it got too hot. Does that make you just uh, a little jealous? Um, it, it yes, she did. I already know that for a fact. She's already running. Uh, she already ran. Oh, she already yeah, did. And run. I am jealous because <laughs> I won't have a, a, any choice but to run in ninety degree weather because I'm here while it's cooler. Um, so yes, yeah, she she but you're put running, in three running and a half miles. House. Nice, yeah. <laughs> good for her. Yeah. Yes. Uh, um, I have an email. Please. So this is um, from a caller and emailer we hear from periodically. Um, and we were talking about housing uh, today and, and taxes, right? Mm-hmm. So he said that he had an idea for people to have more options regarding paths they may want to take financially. I've heard about, quote, subject to sales. Not quite sure how these operate, as well as taking over mortgage payments on a relative's house on a locked-in purchase price. When the time would come to fully buy out the property, the amount of mortgage payments over, let's say, a year's time would be subtracted from the final locked-in purchase price. So some strategies there for uh, real estate investment and helping people out. And he just wanted to share that for maybe some helpful information. Uh, That can be helpful, particularly as we look forward to a time as interest rates rise, inflation rises. It could be very challenging for the average person to get a mortgage. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who were alive at this time, that does not include the host of this show, Alyssa <laughs> Young. But for those of you who are alive during the Jimmy Carter years, you will remember mortgage rates at 15, 17, mm. 19% annualized interest rates on mortgages. Right. And 18 months ago, 30-year mortgage, 1.99. Now over five. Again, fiscal policies. It is very often a challenge to compare how do fiscal policies for a conservative leader versus a uh, more uh, liberal leader. How do they compare? Because they all sound like they're trying to do the same thing. We have a direct comparison less than 18 months apart of the impact. Interest rates are dramatically higher. Uh, and uh, this same question every single time. Um, this, this email said I should stop being mean to you, by the way. Thank you so much. <laughs> Finally, somebody recognizing the real dynamic here. I am a victim. <laughs> Have a good day and stop being mean to Gene. <laughs> exactly. Uh, in those years uh, of the Jimmy Carter years where interest rates were through the roof, uh, we often did what were referred to as long-term agreements of sale, very similar to what our emailer was referencing, where we would have an agreement of sale, a purchase price. Um, the deed did not transfer for some period of time. That's the long-term portion. In some cases, it was a year or two. In some cases, it was five years or longer. During the time, the current owner continued mortgage payments. Uh, The new buyer, so to speak, made mortgage payments. So the owner took dollars in in one hand and sent them out on the other side. uh, And the settlement was in the future. Uh, Fortunately for those who were in the future five years or longer, that took us into the Ronald Reagan era. Now, Uh, Did that uh, period help? The answer was yes. Did it help immediately? The answer was, oh, heck no. 
when mortgage rates got down to 12%, a lot of us who were active in the investment market literally thought we had died and gone to heaven because mortgage rates at 17, 18, 19% were just so uh, egregious. The idea that we could get it down to only 12 was just glorious. And the thought that at some point in the future it would be single digits was would thought almost miraculous. 1.99. So cycles, cycles. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went through a stagflation of the Jimmy Carter years. That gave us Ronald Reagan. We went through the, uh, hey, we're, we're, we're not an exceptional country. Uh, we went through eight years of that. Uh, that got us our previous administration with President Trump and uh, the tremendous progress we made there. Now we're faced with a new set of challenges. And for everyone out there who is hmm, sad, depressed, anxious about what is happening, we understand that. But when you look back at the cycles of history, does it not give you at least a little bit of excitement, maybe a little bit of ooh, thrill down your leg, as that idiot on CNN would say? Or does it not give you some hope for the future that these kinds of um challenges put to the American public generally end up with the result that we get um, a real change and a real positive change. That's right. Uh, We are uh, rapidly approaching uh, top of the hour. Ah, perfect. So uh, we, oh, our callers today were fabulous. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, The questions were great and the emails were really, really good. Uh, We answered most of the emails. We did not get to all of them. We apologize for that we'll hopefully get to you uh, next week as well and next week of course is also invest in you so you'll get to hear both of us on air for a couple hours and then come spend some time with us at puppies and kittens That's how right. bad can that be yeah That's we'll head be. from here to the animal shelter to be there to greet you at 11 and um looking forward to having some fun and seeing the kids and, yeah so i hope you can join us If you need more information about anything you heard on today's show or any other topic, for goodness sakes, lots of ways to do that. You can send Alyssa your emails, A-L-Y-S-S-A at askmtm.com. Send me your emails, Gene, G-E-N-E, at askmtm.com. Go to our website, morethanmoneyonline.com, morethan, T-H-A-N, morethanmoneyonline.com. Check out all kinds of stuff. Listen to the podcast. Watch our videos, our TV shows. Um, Check out all the backgrounds of all the great folks that we have on our team. Then reach out to us. And, of course, you can go old school. Phone us, 610-746-7007. 610-746-7007. Folks, thanks for spending part of your Saturday with us. We'll see you next time on More Than Money.